SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome in. It's hour two of Diamond Bets here. If you missed anything, of course, remember each and every Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern time, we come your way. Joe Pizapia is joining me, Matt Stryker, and we're about to go around the diamond. Joe, some news and notes that are going to inform our investments moving forward. Take it away. Yeah, that's how we like to kick things off in hour two of the show. We want to run the bases, get you caught up. Ross Stripling is projected to begin the year in the rotation for the Blue Jays. That's a big thing because Nate Pearson groin they say he'll be ready for opening day. I have my concerns about that. I think be a little behind there, maybe a week or so. We'll see. Maybe it'll be okay for Nate Pearson. This feels like this kid's just snake bit, though. Just can't seem to get on the right track, but we'll keep our fingers crossed. It's a long season this year, but Ross Stripling, a name that was acquired last year uh, by the Blue Jays kind of quietly, and Stripling had a lot of good starts for the Dodgers over the last two years before that, and I think he's a very useful piece, and I kind of circled him as a guy that you think might actually get 25 stars this year and already looking like that's going to be the case. And I think that's good. I think that's exactly the kind of guy they need for this Blue Jays rotation to step up and kind of be uh, someone that they can rely on besides Ryu. They have some age in that rotation. So having a guy like Stripling go out there, being able to throw some innings, is he going to dominate? No, probably not. He's not a big-time strikeout guy, but I think he can get you quality starts. And I think with that offense, that's all you need to do to really get some Ws. Uh, The Mets and Francisco Lindor, are expected to begin extension talks this week. So this makes me feel good. I like this. If I'm going to make trades and bring in players, I want to extend them, especially a player who is not yet 30 years old. What a concept. Amazing opportunity here for the Mets to lock up Francisco Lindor for a very long time. And I think they're going to, and I think it's going to be a good marriage so far. It seems like all the sides are getting along. Seems like all the teammates are getting along. That's positive. Of course, winning in the end, that makes everybody get along. Everybody gets along pretty good when they win. You know, it's 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 when you lose when all of a sudden people don't get along as well. Uh, Luis Severino throws off a mound Tuesday for the first time. That's going to be important too, going back yes. to that Yankee rotation. But once again, I think you really got to understand, you're not going to see him for a while, okay? So he's just a bonus guy at this point this year. Maybe 2022 is where you really uh, consider Luis Severino getting back on track. A Pirate signing Trevor Cahill to a one-year deal and minor league baseball We'll have new experimental rules at each level. So they're going to try these things out, see what works and what doesn't. I think this is really good, uh, including that different version of the shift, what's allowed and what's not, which I think if it does work, you might see that implemented. And we all know the CBA is coming up at the end of the season. There'll be a lot of these discussions and it's going to get ugly because it always does because it's MLB and the MLBPA and that's just what happens. But, you know, of all these things here, you know, we could start with the Blue Jay rotation, Matt. And in your opinion, Do you see Stripling like I do, which is kind of like this workhorse guy nobody's talking about that might end up being, once again, maybe on FanDuel this year, a cheap pitcher in a short slate where you go, you know what's a good matchup today? You could go get a W and really help you out and allow you to load up on an offense, say, in Colorado or somewhere else. 
Yeah, in a unique situation like that, sure. But uh, for a long-term investment, when you say you want to circle Ross Stripling, the only circle on Ross Stripling is going to be the blister that he's ultimately going to have at some point. So I always want to keep my eye on that. I'm more intrigued on Nate Pearson. You know, he's one of my guys that, that I really want to see break out this year. I want to see him a part of the rotation. And the fact that no one's talking about Robbie Ray is intriguing to me as an investor. He just went four no-hit innings, albeit against the Orioles, albeit in spring training. Robbie Ray is a guy where I'm going to put some interesting investments on as we move through both day trading and long-term stock investment in the Blue Jays. Uh, the rotation concerns me. Ross Stripling isn't a guy that's going to move the needle for me, except in those, as you mentioned, those unique day trading situations. You know, Robbie Ray is going to still pitch against the Orioles during the season. They are in that division. Yes, yes, you so will. He's going to have a couple of those too. But but I feel like, you know, with Robbie Ray, it's always the same thing. Like he's going to look great this start. And then his next start, he gives up four and runs in two innings. And that's been Robbie Ray. It's all about consistency for him. And if you can find any version of that, that's terrific. I just, I'm always skeptical. Like I'd rather take the chance on Ross Tripling's good innings. And again, the difference between making a DFS investment in a player and making a, a long-term investment in a Robbie Ray versus a Ross Stripling one day off or Robbie Ray one day off. That's the fun of FanDuel because <laughs> you can do that with those pitchers. Yes. I don't know if either of them are good long-term investments. Uh, speaking of Severino too, you know, you got Severino, yes. you got Chris Sale, and you've got Noah Syndergaard. These are three very high-profile pitchers all coming back from Tommy John. Mm -hmm. What do you think their impact is this year? Or are you just kind of just staying away no, and not I've, letting uh, it into your psyche? No. I'm super excited on Severino and Syndergaard looking at them from you know, long-term plays. If I could stash a guy here or there or at least have an eye on them as a stock, those are two guys that I expect great things from on teams that I – I do expect to be a part of the mix Yankees more so than the Mets as we move further and further into the season. Sorry, Joe. And, uh, you know, it comes down to this. And you and I were talking this off the air. Madison Bumgarner, Nate Pearson, Luis Severino. If I have a choice of one of the three, it's going to be an interesting decision. Severino I'm not going to see for a while. And to your point, Bumgarner and Pearson are going to be probably available to me until they're not. So I put it back on to you. Move Severino out of the way. Bumgarner or Pearson, who would you like to have as a stock for rest of season? Uh, it's going to be Bumgarner. Uh, if I'm going to go down with the ship, it's going to be going down with the Hall of Famer who's still 31. And if he if he has figured out, you know, the mix of pitches now with a, a lesser velocity, then he can be a guy that wins 15 games again. I mean, the 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 strikeout total might not be over 200, but that's okay. It might make him a, a better pitcher in some ways, but right. uh, I think it's going to be inconsistency from that Arizona lineup. So if I have to pick another guy, I would put Herman over all of those guys. Because the Surely. run support with the Yankees are going to be there, you know. So I think that's something to think about. But these are good conversations, and we're going to keep having these good conversations about the National League Rookie of the Year. We come back because there's some really great names. We got some young pitchers, some young hitters. So we come back. We're going to pick them all apart. Tell you where to put your money and place your bets right here on Sports Grid on Diamond Bets. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The SportsGrid Network.
All right, welcome back into Diamond Bets. My name is Matt. His name is Joe. Normally, our producer is named Chris, but today we are working with John and James. So it's a very biblical feeling here this Sunday morning, Joseph. So let's talk about rookies, because mm. when we look at stories of culture and scripture, it's all about how people started out as a boy and grow into a man. So let's look at some of the boys of summer here. NL Rookie of the Year odds on FanDuel. A lot of interesting names here, man. What do you make of it? Taking this whole Sunday morning thing very seriously. <laughs> I, I walked myself down a road that I could not get off of. <laughs> could not. You know, I took a walk all the way down to get communion. My goodness, this is the Church of Baseball here with Matt Stryker. Uh, and Rookie of the Year, there's some really good names here. Cabrian Hayes had a great short season last year. And believe it or not, still qualifies for this award this year. So he might be the lone bright spot for a very, very dark time in Pittsburgh uh, Pirate uh, future coming up here. But Cabrian Hayes, I think, is a real deal. Very good player. Um, Sixto Sanchez, I I'm a big Sixto guy. You know, sure. uh, Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, they get a lot of publicity. I like Sixto. And it's not just because his name is fun to say. It's it's part of that. But the other part is the way this kid pitches. Like, I, I just feel like this guy's got so much upside. He's so electric. He's so fun. So Hayes is 3-1. to one. We have Sixto at plus 450. Then you go to Ian Anderson at plus 600. And I got to tell you, Ian Anderson is a player. The more I peel into him, the more I like him. Um, ding, and ding, I am sometimes very careful with the young pitchers. But I got to tell you, Matt, when I look at this award, you know, I, I really think the favorite here, in my opinion, is Ian Anderson and the 100%. best wager is Ian Anderson and that combination. Very rarely do we end up focusing on one guy. I mean, we just did it in the last couple segments right now or one where we, we, we walk you through, okay, maybe put some here, some there. These are the guys, maybe this is the most, um, most profitable investment out there, but also consider hedging here, you know, just kind of playing the field a little bit with this one. I don't want to play the field. I want to go with Ian Anderson because I think he's going to be that consistent. I think he's going to be pitching for a very good Braves team and the Braves have a good track record of producing these young guys, yes. having them have success. And also, you know, the Braves are a national attention team because they're going to be a playoff mm -hmm. team, I think. So I think when all of that comes around, and we always mention that it's a media award, see, it's very different than with hits, right? We're talking rookie of the year. We're talking about right. awards given out by the media. You have to take into account the market which they play. And I think no matter how good Cabrian Hayes is, it's going to be a tough sell. And I know he's he's number one on this board, but he might be number one in our hearts. He I don't think he should be number one in terms of odds. I really don't. So I think Ian Anderson's the way I go there. So let's talk about the favorites first. Now we can debate the long okay. shots and, and if there's somebody. So for you, I, I it seems like you're kind of feeling the same way I am about Ian yeah. Anderson. Absolutely. And I think, look, FanDuel knows what they're doing when they throw Cabrian Hayes up there at plus 300. It's, hey, look here and not there. I mean, right? They do it on the news all the time. Why shouldn't they do it in sports wagering? I get that. And for those that are going to be fooled and they're going to bite, God bless you. Go throw your money there. I just don't think that Hayes has anywhere near the protection in the lineup that he needs. And I just don't think he has the maturity yet to, to, to be even a rookie of the year. I could be wrong. We'll find out. But for me, yeah, it's Ian Anderson all day long for all the reasons that you illustrated, as well as the fact that I always look at an organization in which a player plays. We talked about a Rosarena. I look at Tampa Bay. The adjustments are going to be there because the organization is good. When you look at Ian Anderson, he comes from a great organization. They have Greg Maddox. They have John Smoltz. They have Leo Mazzoni. I mean, come on now. Ian Anderson is in the right place. Moving on, though, and we'll talk a little bit more about it, Dylan Carlson is an interesting play for me coming out of the Cardinal organization. Hopefully his bat can emerge out of all those big bats in St. Louis. So if I'm going to go with an arm and a bat, I'm going to go Ian Anderson, and I'm going to go Dylan Carlson. 
Yeah, and I can understand Dylan Carlson, you know, certainly has the upside for this kind of award. So he is the longer shot that I think certainly makes sense. Also, is going to be pretty well protected in that lineup when you yeah. got guys like Arenado and Goldschmidt. So the focus is not going to be on Dylan Carlson. Uh, I think Brian Hayes is at the very top, too, because he's a position player with everyday at-bats who had a, a really good yes. short sample last year. So he is very, very safe. Uh, unfortunately, I just don't think he's a good investment for this award this year because then you need all, all the things that happened last year to break right over a period of two and a half times that. And I just think that's a lot to ask, especially you did remove Josh Bell from this lineup year over year. So who's protecting Cabrian Hayes now? And the answer is nobody. And that's, I think, a huge difference when you're talking about the development of a young player. Is Josh Bell Paul Goldschmidt? No. But Josh Bell is uh, at least a presence in the order that you have to Mm -hmm. account for. And I think it's going to hurt Cabrian Hayes once he's on because you can't fill that void. Uh, Mackenzie Gore, I think, is going to be a good young pitcher. And I think he's going to contribute to this Padres run this year. Rookie of the year is a tough sell. I just don't know if there's going to be enough innings for him to get there. Uh, Christian Pache, I just don't believe in the bat. I'm sorry. I've seen enough of this kid already. Good defensive player, good baseball player. Just not buying the bat. For me, if I'm going to look long shot, it's actually Spencer Howard, who had a brilliant Arizona Fall League a couple of years ago. Okay. Came into last year as a very coveted entity. Uh, struggled at times, but once again, 2020 is so hard to get a gauge off. If he continues to have a good spring, I could see Spencer Howard kind of surprising people and all of a sudden going from a 12-1 to 1 shot to a 6-1 to 1 at some point. Like I, He could jump that high. However, I still think it's Ian Anderson. Jazz Chisholm and, and Joey Bart do not enter the conversation. So this one's easy for me, and it's funny because it's rarely easy, and it's rarely um, – and odds that you really like is a combination, right? We talked about Mike Trout. What was Mike Trout's two to one and everybody else was double digits. Uh, In this one, you're getting six to one on Ian Anderson and it just feels right. It feels like a safe investment, a good investment. And I'll tell you what, going into this year, I was trying to poke some holes and say, okay, well, where is Ian Anderson failing in the deeper stats and stuff like that? He's not, he's just not. So the only question is how many innings? Can he reach 160 innings? Can he reach somewhere in that and if the answer is yes, then I think this award is his to lose. And if the answer is no, then it might just end up going default to somebody like Brian Hayes, or maybe Sixto has some incredible finish to the season or something like that. I think Sixto is built for the full run of the season. Uh, but all these pitchers, all these young pitchers this year are going to struggle with the same thing. So in that sense, Ian Anderson is not going to be behind his peers. You know, I think some seasons you'll say, well, some guy's ahead of this guy in terms of innings. Nobody's ahead of anybody because of 2020. So it opens up the playing field a little bit more to the rest of these young arms as well, but I think it doesn't hurt Ian Anderson at the same time. I think the longtime investor out there will nod their head, hopefully, to what I'm about to say. When you mention that you know Ian Anderson just feels right and you like the number at which you're getting him, don't think too much into it. If something feels right, nine times out of ten, it's going to be right. And even if it's not, you don't feel as badly as the one that you knew it didn't feel right, and yet you still put your money down. So if Ian Anderson feels right to you at this number, go with it. Because even if it doesn't pay off, you will not feel as badly. And to me, that has a lot to do with it. I don't ever mix emotions and money. It's just something I do not do. So there's that. It's very good, fellas, of you. I like that. Don't, Don't mix your emotions and your money. Don't do that. You don't want to do that. But am I wrong? What about, am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. You're absolutely right. Dylan Carlson, I think you're right about too, because he's in a unique spot where he's almost, I don't want to say post hype because he's still got some hype, 
but I don't feel like he's got nearly the same hype going into this year as he did last year because all anybody wants to talk about with the Cardinals is the fact they got Nolan Arenado, and I think that's a great thing for Dylan Carlson. So in terms of investment, I think if you're looking at him and Brian Hayes, Carlson's actually in the better position to have a better 162 game season because of what's around him, because he's going to get dri- driven in more, because he's going to probably score more runs potentially. And and look, the, the Pirates are going to win some games, not a whole lot, somewhere around 60-ish, right, we imagine. But at the same time, I, I think that it's that impact loss of Josh Bell is just not being discussed. And Josh Bell is not an MVP, but Josh Bell is still a presence in the order. And then when you take away, and, and I'll give you a for instance, too, if you go back and look at the early years of J.D. Martinez and the Astros, right, who could not get out of his own way as a young player trying to develop at the big league uh, level, all kinds of loss. That team was rebuilding. They were terrible. They move him because he was not performing up to speed. He goes to Detroit. And he starts to hit in front of Miguel Cabrera and Victor Martinez. And what happens? The rest is history. The guy just takes off a few tweaks (laughs) here and there. But the confidence level of having those guys around you and seeing better pitches to hit, J.D. Martinez became a 40 home run guy. And I think for Cabrian Hayes, he could be on that other end of the spectrum, unfortunately, this year, just because of the way things are looking. Now, home runs are very sexy. We always like to talk about home runs. So when we come back, we're going to talk about them and – Get the show going a little bit here on Sunday morning. So who's going to be the MLB home run leader? We have the odds for you on FanDuel. We're going to pick them apart when we come back right here on SportsGrid. This is Diamond Bets. We'll be right back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back into Diamond Bats. We were having a little science conversation before we came on the air. And Joe, it informs a very interesting approach when we're looking at the odds on FanDuel for the home run leaders as well as the strikeout leaders because more and more guys are using physics, launch angle, barrel rate, where they can hit the ball. And it's leading to far more home runs and far more strikeouts. So where do we put our money? (laughs) Yeah, well, the last three years, there's been more strikeouts than hits. In baseball, right. that's that's not a good trend. That's not a trend that anybody wants to see at well, if you're all. A pitcher, <laughs> if you're a pitcher, maybe, but I, I, I don't think it's what we want to see. I know it's not the kind of baseball I want to see out there, too, but we're talking about the true outcomes, right? The two true outcomes. We got the strikeouts and the home runs. Let's start with the home runs and the guys at the top of the leaderboard. No surprise to see Mike Trout up there at 12 to 1. Pete Alonso at plus 1,200 as well. Joey Gallo having a phenomenal spring at plus 1600 Ronald Acuna at 16 as well and then Aaron Judge Bryce Harper 18 along with Bellinger Suarez and my boy Juan Soto at 18 disrespecting my boy Juan Soto 18 to 1 uh-uh not gonna have it I don't want it now look Juan Soto is such a good hitter that maybe this is true maybe he should be a little bit lower down but look these are some really great names um I think Joey Gallo is the one I want to start with because I had a fascinating conversation before uh, earlier this week, which if the ball is dead into this year and you're working with a more dead ball than a live ball, 
then it might mean guys like Joey Gallo, who are those true slugger guys, might be the way to win out. So with that sort of a, a logic put out there, well, we don't know for sure if that's going to be the case. We don't know where those balls are going to be, if that's going to be true, or if that's just something that's being kind of put out there. Does it give you pause and at least consider Joey Gallo? Because we all know Joey Gallo absolutely could hit 50 home runs in the season. I don't think anybody doubts sure. that. And certainly gotten off to a hot start this spring. So before we even get into Trout or Alonzo, some of the other guys, let's talk about Joey Gallo, who might be that name that okay. kind of pops on that list as, oh, oh, well, I don't know if I put him in the same caliber of player as these guys or not. But this is just about dingers, just about home runs. Is that a good enough reason to maybe invest in Joey Gallo? Feast or famine with Joey Gallo always has been. Mm -hmm. The one thing I've noticed, at least in my personal experience, when it comes to investing in home run leaders, that this is where you, you lose your money here. Because, yeah, Joey Gallo can hit 50, but then someone can come along and hit 51, and it can be an anomaly. It could be Brady Anderson hitting 52 or George Foster hitting 52 and then never even coming oh, close again. Gross. So that's where – but listen, you have to really understand. You was my least favorite outcomes. player as a kid, by the way. George Foster. Which Everybody one? has their least George favorite, Foster. George Foster. My least favorite okay, player as a kid was George Foster. Couldn't stay. But in it, fact, it, I disliked him so much. I actually took him. I cut his picture out of the team picture of the Mets in the yearbook. That's how much I did not like him. And I think I maybe found a, a baseball card of Lee Mazzilli and put it in there after because that's who they ended up getting after that in '86. That it's amazing the, wow. the feelings you can have as an eight-year-old. Seriously, listen to the venom in your voice. Like Oh, I did oh not gosh. like George Foster. Didn't like okay, it. You had a guy, enough, so then, but, You know. You had a guy. Come on. Uh, that, that I just can't stand. Oh, it's Mike Piazza. As a kid. And I'll tell you. There that. you go reasons why mike piazza won because i delivered pizza to him when he was in the bay club and he was a di he was a jerk and then i was at the game where uh, roger clemens and the bat and dude i'm telling you people could say whatever they want piazza did not want to step to clemens and it, it just made me feel like he was a uh, i can't say the word and and beyond that That's listen fair. tommy lasorda and tommy lasorda and my grandfather were great friends so there's no other reason other than just i just didn't like him but the conversation is about home run leader odds on FanDuel. And we're talking about Joey Gallo. And if at, at plus 1,600, if he's a wise investment, absolutely, of course. But to me, if you're going to put down several investments, this is the category that you do it in. And you're going to have to know that you're going to lose something along the way. So this is where I use my uh, extracurricular income, so to speak, where I mm -hmm. use what I can afford to lose my high risk income here and i put it on the home run leaders because man you mentioned juan soto at plus 1800 why not how do you not put something down on that mike trout at plus 12 how do you not put something down on that there's so many of these how do you nots kind of thing that this becomes a very slippery slope as far as investing goes well i think what we should do is process of elimination Let's, you know, you did a really good job of kind of bursting the bubble on Joey Gallo. And, and you're right, because there will be long streaks where he's not good because we've seen enough of that. But let's talk about the long streaks of Aaron Judge missing time every year. So I would poke that hole in Aaron Judge. Uh, I think Absolutely. you could poke a hole in Pete Alonso, too. I think, just think it's a lot for him to live up to the expectations of that rookie season. Um, I just don't think he's a 50 home run guy. Yeah, he has a home he's run a swing. He does mm, now, know, man. but he didn't in the minor leagues. And in the minor leagues, he was not this guy. And I wonder True. if he goes back, if the Mets say, hey, look, you know, that was fun. Let's get back to being Pete Alonso, who was hitting 280 and hitting 35 bombs instead of the guy who hits 240 and hits 50 bombs. I think that will – I don't think the 50 bombs help the team as much as the 280. That's that's just me. Um, Suarez, an interesting name. Cody Bellinger, I think more intriguing. Juan Soto more intriguing. I think to me it's Bellinger, it's Soto. 
I think Harper in that very home run friendly environment in Philadelphia and Trout. So Trout, Harper, Soto, Bellinger, those are my four targets. Of those four, is there a guy for you that you think is like the number one target? Is it as simple as Trout because it's Trout and he's hearing the noise that maybe Fernando Tatis is the new face of baseball and he's like, hold up a second. I'm pretty sure I'm still Mike Trout. So as an investor, I'm always careful about buying into narratives. Mike Trout, I've been told all my investing career is the greatest player in baseball and he has returned investment for me every single time. It's hard to ignore that. But when you have Juan Soto just kind of glistening over in the corner there at plus 1,800, (laughs) I mean, man, oh man, how do I deny that? Uh, I'm with you. Actually, I think Harper and Soto to me are the two most intriguing ones. Um, I like the odds on both of them, the 18, uh, on top of which I, I think those are real home run hitters and, and great hitters. It, like They're all great. Everybody on this list is great. But I think this year in particular, Harper and Soto were the two guys that I think uh, that really have a good shot at this one uh, because of the players they are, the situation they're in. Bellinger coming off the shoulder surgery, that could be the one hole you poke there. Um, and Mike Trout, you know, as great as Mike Trout has been, he has been a player that's missed some time in a few years too recently. Yes. So that's also something to keep in mind because just like the hit award, if you miss time, you miss two weeks, it could really hurt your chances. Let me ask you about a guy like Ronald Acuna Jr., right? We haven't mm-hmm. spoken of him. Where he sits in the lineup and what's around him, how come at plus 16, we're only getting around to mentioning him now in a 12-minute segment. I don't know how many more minutes are left. Why? Because I think that number is probably 45 or something close to that, right? You want to okay. come into the 40s. And whereas Gallo would and be I 50 think, and that thus eliminates. Okay. Right. Well, well, I'm just saying, no, I, I'm saying like potential. Gallo has the potential to get 45 home runs. I think Acuna is a 30 home run hitter, somewhere in that range. I really mm-hmm. do. I think mm-hmm. that's – and I think also his role at the top of this order is unique in that sense it, too. Is they want that, to get yeah. on, I think that changes it. Um, whereas Juan Soto can get over 40. You have to get over 40 probably to win this award this year. Gallo can, Soto can, Harper can, Trout can. I think Bellinger can. Judge could, but I'm using could instead of can because I think that's very important. You have to take that into account. So this is a war of attrition. It's a long season again. And Juan Soto, I know, is also built for this long season physically. I mean, the guy is – he's young. He's dominant. He's just – I mean, I, we can't say enough good things about him because he's that good. Uh, let's go to the strikeout leaders and talk about this because this is another one that I think is very close, and the odds are not nearly as forgiving. It's 5-1 to one instead of the 12-1 to one you're getting on the home runs, right? So 5-1 to one on Garrett Cole, 550 on Jacob deGrom, who looks tremendous already this spring. Shane yes. Bieber at 7-1, to one. <clears throat> Lucas Giolito – at 950, Trevor Bauer at 950. Then you get into the double digits with Scherzer, you Darvish, Aaron Nola, and Jack Flaherty. So is it just as easy as looking at the top three guys? Or is there somebody here as a long shot, maybe a Giolito or or maybe even mm-hmm. a, a bounce back of Scherzer that you're interested in? Yeah, so the bounce back of Scherzer, again, it goes back to when we were discussing the hits in Whit Merrifield. So I'm always going to look for the stock that has shown me in its history and its large sample size that it's going to return investment. And Scherzer at that number plus 1,000 is something I'm willing to risk. Do I think he's the same Max Scherzer from two years ago, even last year, a year before? No, but he's still a strikeout pitcher. Uh, for me, DeGrom and Bauer are the two other guys that I'm going to look at, you know, plus 550, plus 950. If I'm going to make three plays here, it's going to be DeGrom, Bauer, and Scherzer. Uh, Cole is interesting at plus five. Uh, yeah, yeah, those, those are the names that jump off this board at me. 
I don't know why. Maybe I'm just I'm bored with Degrom and Cole for some reason, and I shouldn't go be. ahead. Be bored with them. I'll take the money. <laughs> I know, but Bieber and Giolito for me are the ones that I really like. I'm getting a little bit better odds on both of them, and I just don't think they're that far off. Again, we're not talking about Cy Young here. We're talking about strikeouts. So right. Bieber at plus seven, Giolito at plus nine fifty. Giolito's got a ton of strikeout potential, man. And the other thing too is what division are they pitching in? You know, D- Jacob Degrom is dominant, but he is still pitching in a tough division. There's a lot of good hitters. And he's still going to strike out 200 guys. So if I asked you what the number is in your head, right, is it 220? Is that the number somebody's got to get to to lead the league in strikeouts? Is it 250? Like, where is that number in your head? Because I think we have to paint that picture. You brought up a great point, again, for the astute investor is which division do you pitch in and who do you have a chance that you're going to face more often than these other guys? When you look at DeGrom and you you look at that division, there are a few names that worry me. You look at Bieber, there are a few more that worry me. Scherzer and DeGrom, again, in the same conversation. Uh, Bauer, outside of pitching against San Diego and Colorado, might have a nice little situation there. But as far as the number to hit – I don't know. Let's call it 212 just because 212 is an area code in Manhattan. And um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I mean, there's no wrong answer here with the top guys. I, I think Cole and DeGrom certainly have, have. It's just a matter of can you make a little bit extra money on there? And I think with Bieber or Giolito, you possibly can. And it's something to uh, keep in mind there. These are, I mean, you're living in a, a strikeout world, though. I mean, we're coming off a year a couple years ago where Cole had almost 300. So, I mean, it's yeah, – But I wouldn't give for Nolan Ryan, like that. you know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back with more DB right after this. Don't go SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back into Diamond Bets. My name is Matt Strager. I'm joined each and every Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern time by Joe Pizzapia, who has become one of the leading analysts in all of sports. I love sitting down with you each and every Sunday morning to talk baseball because the insight that you provide, it informs my investments. That's why I'm here in full transparency. I'm here to invest in this game and win some money and hopefully everyone else that's out there enjoying us each and every week. You're in it for that as well. So, Joe, with that said, it's time to round the bases. And those of you that are just joining us on the show, five questions are asked. Joe will give his answers, and then we will use that information moving forward. So, Joe, are you ready? I am. I hope one of the questions is, if I call Matt, will he bring me a pizza? Because I'd like the answer to that to be yes. (laughs) Well, let's see how you answer these five, and then we'll talk about it. Question number one, this is interesting. Who's going to be Cleveland's starting shortstop this season? Is it Andre Andre Jimenez or Ahmed Rosario? Now, I've seen reports leaning one way, but I'd like to know your thoughts. I think it's going to be Jimenez. I really do. Uh, I'm very impressed with Jimenez. Uh, In the minor leagues, watched him play a fair amount, and I think he's a hustle player. He's a guy with speed, good glove, 
Better glove than Rosario, let me just tell you. Better range, better glove, better mm. arm all across the board. Uh, Ahmed Rosario, I've seen enough of in my lifetime to last me a lifetime. He does not hit good pitching. Um, he is not a great defender. He is okay at best. He has made improvements in his game. There's no doubt about that. But I think Jimenez is the higher ceiling guy, and you could already tell they're talking about, oh, maybe we'll get Ahmed Rosario some uh, some at-bats and some playing time in the outfield. That tells you everything yeah, okay. you need to know about how this position battle is going. And I think it's going to be Jimenez. I think it's Cesar Hernandez is going to play second base again because they brought him back. Yes. If they hadn't brought him back, then maybe Rosario would have moved to second and or Jimenez or, okay. or something would have happened there. But they did. They brought Hernandez back. I think if they'll listen to deals on Ahmed Rosario too, it would not shock me if Rosario got flipped before spring training happened and ended, actually, to tell you the truth. So to me, it's Jimenez. I think that's the guy that they targeted as that next guy to play shortstop for the Indians in the uh, wake of losing Francisco Lindor. I think that was the key piece to get back. And I think you're going to see him play every day. And I'll tell you what, if he hits the top of the order, that is definitely yes. going to be an investable player in terms on FanDuel. That's a player that I'm going to want a lot of. He'll probably be around like $3,100, $3,200 in my head. I'm already putting the salary out there for him. And that's going to get you an extra at-bat on any given night. And a little bit of speed, a little bit of run scored, a little bit of pop. I like all the above. How about you? You think it's Jimenez as well? Yeah, no, everything you just said is all the things that I wanted to say. So in the interest of time, let's move on to question number two. (laughs) No, seriously, we live in a world where people like to pour on, pour on, pour on. Hey, man, what you said was right. Question number two, can the Yankees' bullpen be successful with Zach Britton out? Yes, of course it can be successful. But I do think it's a hit. You know, I think that that's the strength of this, this team. And especially in the early going, if they're managing all the innings of these pitchers that they're worried about, I mean, they're, I'm, I'm sure they're they're not incredibly worried about Kluber, but maybe a little. I think they're worried about Tyon. Um, you know, Herman didn't pitch in all in a while. I think there's a lot of questions there. And then Davey Garcia, Clark Schmidt, these are all young guys. So I think the bullpen in April and May was going to be very important. And you're not going to have him there in April and May and probably not in June. So three months without Britain is going to be a problem. Now, the good news is they have a lot of other guys in this bullpen. Yes. So it'll be okay. It'll still be successful. But I do think it does hurt them. And and if, God forbid, something should happen to Chapman, that fallback of Britain being the guy with closer experience all of a sudden goes out the window. So really, I think there's a little bit more pressure on Chapman, who looks great this spring. He's been working on a new pitch. It just seems like it's really dominating guys out there. So that's a plus. But – you know, now you got to keep your fingers crossed if you're a Yankee fan and hope that Chapman stays healthy because you don't have that insurance policy of being able to go, well, we'll just go to Zach Britton to close out games because he's good at it and he has a history and a track record. So that's my only concern there. So just, you know, maybe light a candle in church uh, if you're a Yankee <laughs> fan. Hope that bullpen stays healthy around him. I think that the organization has enough young arms that they can make up the loss Probably. there. But remains to be seen. This next question pertains to arms as well. Whom would you rather have for the next five years, Jacob DeGrom or Garrett Cole? Man, this is tough. I want them both. I, I, you can't I, have I, them both, Joe. I, I want them both, Father. I no. want them now. No. No. Um, food, glorious food. Uh, you know, that's Oliver. Look, these are look, these are two best pitchers in baseball. So what I'm trying to do is project into the future here. And what I'm just going to project is is just physical. So physically, I think Garrett Cole. Just a little bit bigger frame guy. I think I'll go that route. I think he is going to age better. And, and that's just, again, you're in a window where both these guys are spectacular. So this is really hard. So if I'm trying to project like for the next five years, we've already had Jacob DeGrom once in a while kind of pop up with an injury here and there. You saw it happen last year. Everybody held their breath. It turned out to be okay. 
Garrett Cole is a horse. So he's more built in that Roger Clemens kind of frame where I just, it's a little bit different. So I think that frame over the next five years might hold up better, but that's the only argument I can really make because I think okay. if you ask me in a two-year window, I think I'd want DeGrom, but this is a five-year window, which is really interesting. And, and there's some really great pitchers out there. Shane Bieber looks as dominant as you can get. Giolito looks great. I mean, we just talked about these K-leader guys. You Darvish has been absolutely spectacular. There's a lot of great names, but who would you rather have over the next five years? Again, five, DeGrom or mm-hmm. Cole? Well, looking at the trend in the market here, and we've illustrated it several times on this program that there have been more strikeouts than hits over the last three seasons. Combine that with the pitch mix and po- combine that with the advanced analytics that showed me that the ERA that this pitcher I'm about to choose is real when you hold it up against his FIP, his FIP, and stuff like that. That's Jacob deGrom. I just cannot turn away from a guy whose ERA is a, is a call back to the glory days of baseball, especially in a world where no one has an ERA like he has had. And I think that to me is what is intriguing. Take them out of the teams in which they play in the ballparks in which they pitch. I think just DeGrom as a stock, as an analytic on a stock and numbers, that's the guy that I would rather have for five years. It's tough though. It's razor thin. Question number four, who's going to close the game for the Reds this year? I think it's Amir (laughs) Garrett. Your thoughts? I agree. I think it's Amir Garrett too. Doolittle has been terrible this spray. I mean, he's get he's getting light up like a, he's like done a firework show. He's done little. I mean, it's so easy to make that joke, but you know, I ain't mad at you. I still like it. The dad in me just loves the good dad joke. And and now that you're a dad, have you found that you yes, like the yes. cornier jokes? You do, don't you? Oh gosh. I love you them. Everyone else doesn't, too. but I enjoy them. No, you I tell do. my it's, wife, it's, hey, nothing you can do. You married me. <laughs> that's right. And and you're a dad now, so now you're supposed to like them. Now it's part of yes. your duty. As a dad to like the dad joke. Duty. So. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the Reds closer. I'm in agreement with you. I think it is Doolittle. Lucas Sims, great season. Having an injury right now. Now, Amir Garrett has been slowly getting up to speed. And they're protecting him a little bit. And I think that tells you he is the closer. Because they already know that Doolittle's done nothing. They already know that Lucas Sims is hurt. And he's not probably going to be ready opening day. So, Amir Garrett, why would you rush him? Right, If he's going to be the closer, he needs a couple outings, maybe three or four at the most to get ready. You can get him a couple innings of work and have him ready to go, and he'll be fine. So the fact that they have waited, and you're supposed to see him hopefully this week on the field pitching in a game, that's the plan right now. I think that tells you the Reds think he's the closer. I also think Amir Garrett has that closer mentality. Amir Garrett is a guy that came to pitching in baseball actually a little later in life. So he doesn't have the same mileage as some other guys, but he's got a different mentality. He kind of brings a different sport mentality that I love. He's a tough guy. I think you need that in a closer. Uh, I, I like the fighting spirit, as it were, of Amir Garrett. I'm a big fan of that. And I also feel like he's got the right mix of pitches to do that also. He might not be as dominant of a pitcher as Lucas Sims is, but I think he's got the better mentality. And if he does indeed get this job in April, I don't think he's going to look back from it. I really don't. I think Sims will be there. Doolittle will be around. But as long as Amir Garrett doesn't have an awful stretch, I think it's his job the rest of the year too. So I'm with you. I think it is Amir Garrett, and I think he's the guy to be investing in. All right, this final question. I love questions like this because they have direct financial implications if you get it right. Who's this year's breakout pitcher? Now, personally, I think it's going to be a lefty. It's going to be a guy with a nice swing and miss rate plus a good ground ball rate. And to me, guys like Taylor Rogers and Nate Pearson – fit that mold your thoughts how about another lefty a guy named jesus lazardo how about that 
How about that being the okay. breakout? How about the guy that we're not talking about in that upper echelon of pitchers becoming that next Shane Bieber type guy? Now, again, that's a little lofty expectations, but the point I'm trying to make is um, I think Jesus Lazardo, if you go back, you look at a guy with a three to one K walk ratio, right? That's a dominant kind of pitcher that usually succeeds at the major league level. He dealt with some injury, which kind of slowed down the progress a little bit. But last year, 60-game season, I don't think people realize how good he was when he actually did get to pitch. So for me, Lazardo is that guy is just kind of sitting out there that a couple years ago, everybody just – nobody wanted to stop talking about Lazardo. And right. then he finally did come up and pitch very well, but it happened in a time where the focus wasn't really on him. And now all of a sudden, I don't think the spotlight is shining as bright. But my goodness, the talent is going to shine through. So I am really excited about Jesus Lazardo this year. I'm excited about that rotation for the Marlins, too. Eliezer Hernandez was brilliant last year. Uh, yes. Lopez, Alcantara, Sixto Sanchez. This could be one of the yep. better rotations in baseball. I don't know how many games the Marlins are going to win, but if you want to know why they were in the playoffs last year, it was because of that starting pitching. That starting pitching is yes. good. Uh, so Lazardo is that breakout pitcher for me that I'm really highlighting this year that I think is ready to make that jump and go to, let's say, ace level. And if so, you're going to see the Oakland A's in the playoffs yet again. Uh, is there a guy for you in particular? I know you mentioned Pearson and some other young guys like that, but uh, who yeah. are you circling this year as that breakout pitching star? Yeah, I, I gave you the formula in which I use to try to figure it out. And it, it I, I like Nate Pearson. I really do. I, wa I want to see him do well. And he has all of the stock indicators that he should do well. And mentioning Rodgers as well in that pitching staff. I just think that these are the kind of guys that are going to benefit from the changing game. And now that I look at these five questions that we've asked, four of the five were pitching oriented. And I think that says a lot as an investor. Which side do I really want to put most of my investment in? Is it going to be in the arms or the bats? Now, of course, we all love the big bat, but to me, the arms are dominating the entire market. That's where the smart money is going. Do you agree with that statement or not? I agree that you're in the haves or have nots when it comes to pitching. Uh, and I think that's the biggest divide the teams that have pitching, the teams that don't. And I think that's going to be the dramatic difference in these win totals. So looking at a team like the Cubs, as opposed to a team that's got a lot of starting pitching at the top of it. Like I look, I look at the Brewers and, and Burns and Woodruff, pitchers that really don't get enough credit too. And I think those are the kind of uh, arms to really keep an eye on this year as well, that I think people just don't give enough credit to of how good they've been. And both those guys were great last year, especially Burns. And people say, well, it's a small sample. But yeah, uh, once again, go back and look. Look at Lazardo's track record. Look at Burns' track record in the minor leagues. This is who they are. They're just getting the opportunity now. So it, it's going to be tricky from an inning standpoint. I think having those veteran pitchers like the Zach Greinke's of the world, being able to anchor a rotation and give you 200 innings is going to be crucial. Uh, but from an investment standpoint, even in daily fantasy sports, let's say on FanDuel side, getting the pitcher right is everything. And if you get the pitcher right and make that investment, and if you have to pay up for that pitcher, it's okay. We just talked about today, right? Andres Jimenez, guy who's probably going to be cheap. We talked about some guys on bad teams and the Orioles, guys who are probably going to be cheaper that you can use in this offense and are going to score some runs. I mean, Cabrian Hayes, another guy, right? Good player, not a great team. There's going to be suppressed value of some hitters, and there's always going to be offense. You're going to be able to find the offense. Getting that pitcher right this year is so important, I think, to all of your investments. And it's, and it's tricky, and I think it's going to be, you look at the Padres, it's why the Padres adding Snell and adding Tatis, I mean, excuse me, uh, Snell and Darvish have been so important to surround the young players like Tatis and Machado and those stars that they have and give them a chance to actually really challenge the Dodgers because you can't 
if you don't have the pitching. And then all the Dodgers have the pitching in spades. Now San Diego can compete with them, and that's going to be the big difference this year. All right, before we close things out here, a little three outs with Matt Stryker and me, Joey P. Don't go anywhere. We're right back with more Diamond Bets right here on Sports Grid right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back into Diamond Bets. We thank you so much for joining us. Of course, if you missed anything, we come your way each and every Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern time. Again, ladies and gentlemen, this is a baseball show for baseball fans, by baseball fans. It's all about making money. Joe Pizapia, three outs. Three things that we're watching for this week. Number one? Well, I'm looking at that hamstring of Alex Bregman, and I'm hoping that uh, it gets on the field pretty soon because he says he's 90%. Well, that seems like a lot of percent to me, so maybe it's just uh, mm-hmm. being careful. But as long as he gets a week of spring training in at the very end, I really don't care. So that's what I'm looking for. How about you? What you got your eye on this week? Well, I'm going to be doing a lot of investing in pitching this upcoming season, so I'm intrigued. How will rotations shake out? I have found in my investing career that SP4s and SP5s, when you get them right, pay off bigly, to use a word that we haven't heard in a few years. So that's what I'm looking at. What about you, number three? Uh, I, I want to keep an eye on Carlos Carrasco's elbow thing. Is it just a matter of – So do the Mets. <laughs> well, it's a little dead arm, and it's just, well, he doesn't feel right. He's just ramping up because it's spring, or is there something worse going on? If it's something worse, I don't want to throw a lot of cold water, but this is this is why we're waiting to do win totals on the show because let's we all know people are going to get hurt. We all know it's going to be a war of attrition this Major League Baseball season. But why would you put any money on a win total before we even get out of the gate? I mean, let's get out of the gate here. Let's see who's healthy, who's not. Because if he has Tommy John, let's say, and he's gone for the entire year, that changes my thoughts on that Mets win total. It does. Now you're going to go deeper into this rotation in different spots. And I'll tell you what, already this is a concern. This is why as a Mets fan, I try not to get too excited about things because I always know it's lurking around the corner. It's ready to just take me out. At any given time, that's where the pessimism lives. But look, we got optimism for the rest of the day here on Sports Crew, so stay with us for all the great programming here. I want to thank everybody, uh, James and John and uh, Chris, our whole team working, and of course, for Matt as well. It's always great to talk baseball here every Sunday morning. Stay with us on Sports Crew, but come back next Sunday for more baseball and diamond bets. That'll do it for us, but the story of the game goes on. For Matt Stryker, I'm Joey P. We'll see you next time, kids. <laughs> <laughs> 